Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Monday, October 3rd, and it's time to look back at the Saturday game in Chapel Hill, Virginia Tech, falling to North Carolina 41-10. to On episode 259 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we'll look back at how things went all North Carolina's way, especially in the second half. We'll also look at some bright spots for the Hokies and give our weekly ACC power rankings. All of that and much more coming up on episode 259 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. Welcome into episode 259 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. However you are listening, or if you are watching on our YouTube channel, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Also, make sure to turn notifications on so you know when the Tech Sideline Podcast goes live every week. If you are in our live video, be sure to leave a question or comment for David and Chris, and we'll get to those with Katie at the end of the show. A reminder that Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company, one of the nation's leading community banks. First Bank and Trust is a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia and Northeast Tennessee, with an additional presence in North Carolina. They offer free checking with industry-leading mobile banking, financing solutions for personal, agriculture, business, commercial, and mortgage needs, and more. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. We got a great show for you today. Again, not a great game on Saturday for Virginia Tech, but we're going to go through all of the action between the Hokies and the Tar Heels. Let's introduce everybody on set. Across the way, David Cunningham, Managing Editor for TechSideline.com. To my right, it is Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for TechSideline. Katie Adams is in the fourth chair once again today. Behind the scenes, Will Stewart, our best podcast producer in the land and founder and general manager of TechSideline. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Let's dive into this, guys. Uh, Another week and another tough loss for Virginia Tech. Uh, I felt like for the second straight week, We got our hopes up a little bit. You know, when West Virginia Tech went up 7-3, forced the fumble, and felt like they were going in to make it a two-score game, this week you stop that high-powered UNC offense on the first drive, and you get that field goal, big play to Caleb Smith to start the day. But from then on out, it was kind of all downhill. Yeah, kind of the first drive, (laughs) you're thinking, man, the UNC defense is exactly what I thought it was going to be. And then, uh, again, you know, some red zone troubles. so everybody's phone's on silent. I forgot <laughs> to ask. I'm normally the guy who makes sure everybody's phones is on silent, and I didn't do mine today. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good start. Um, I think Tech was a little bit fortunate defensively on their first drive because that third down pass in the flat was wide open, and that was the only pass they didn't connect on all day that was wide open. But, uh, uh, but yeah, on the whole, you know, you ran the ball a little bit, generated a big play in the passing game. Uh, it was a promising start. that's kind of yeah i will and it was very similar to the west virginia game right where where tech like was very very it was a very close game heading right before halftime and then 
like West Virginia did. North Carolina scored right before half, albeit it was just a field goal, but it kind of swung momentum back you, that way. You felt a small glimmer of hope when Wells ran that end because it was 21 to 10 at that point, and you're like, okay, 40 seconds or whatever, however much time was on the clock. It was 27, 28, something like that. 28 seconds, yeah. Okay, yeah, so uh, just not much time left on the clock, and you get the ball first in the second half. So if you can go down the field and score – uh, score a touchdown maybe in the uh, the first drive of the second half. Then all of a sudden it's a it's a, it's a four point game and that you have the momentum and it puts the pressure on Carolina. But boom, they go fifty yards in twenty seconds. It was like it was like I, I leaned over to talk to somebody and then I looked back up and they've got the ball in like the thirty yard line. I'm like, yeah. what in the world did I just? They miss? did it in like yeah four or five plays yeah. too. And I after obviously after that it was pretty much all Tar Heels. They scored all 17 points in the third quarter, outscored the Hokies 41 to seven after the after Tech took its only lead of the game, three to nothing. Uh, I did this last week for West Virginia, and obviously in a game that's decided by 31 points, a couple of plays aren't going to decide the game. But it felt like for me there were two plays that allowed UNC to get out to that big lead in the first half. Uh, the first one was right after that UNC touchdown to make it seven to three. Daywan Lofton dropped uh, the third down pass. Obviously, the offense couldn't really get it going, and maybe they punted on the next series or the next set of downs instead. But it felt like that could have been a chance to sway the momentum back in the Hokies' direction. You, you feel like when you're playing a team like UNC that's capable of scoring a lot of points, you know, you have you have to take advantage of all your opportunities. You can't little thing. You can't let little things like that trip you up. I mean, yes, you need a better game from your defense. You can't let them score forty-one points, but. Even if the offense doesn't score on a drive, you'd like to put a few first downs together, similar to what Tech did last year against UNC when they won the game. Uh, put a few drive, put a few first downs together, get your defense some rest, flip the field position, things like that. Uh, but yeah, when he dropped that pass, and then and then UNC went back down the field to score, you're like, okay, we can't play from two <laughs> scores behind these guys. And but that, that's what that's the position the Hokies put themselves in. Now, if he had caught that pass and they had gone down and scored. It would have just been delaying the inevitable, of course, but um, you would have at least put some more pressure on him early. So, but instead, it just got out of hand right after that. Yeah, and that that was right at the end of the, kind of right at the end of the first quarter, um, and it's still a pretty close game. And then you drop that pass on a third and ten, and North Carolina turns that into a eleven play, eighty five yard drive, and they end up. Scoring a touchdown that was Drake May's uh, one yard or one yard touchdown run, and the other thing on that was North Carolina converted uh, a fourth down at least one. Maybe was that the fourth and seven? That was the fourth and yeah, uh, that yeah, was okay. the fourth well, and seven. Well, that that was the other play that I was oh, going to bring okay. up. Uh, Drake May rolling right with two guys in his face, just lobs it up for Josh Downs. Where they have the ball at the Tech forty three thereabouts. Yeah, basically midfield. So it's fourth and seven, and even though Carolina's defense has been so awful this year. They had so little respect for the Tech offense to yeah. be able to drive down the field and score that they felt safe going forward on fourth and seven. I think that's probably my my, my main takeaway. Um, yeah, you need to stop them on fourth and seven, and that you know it's Jamari Connor needs to be more aware of the ball in the air and things like that. Now that being said, you know Downs is a t- tough guy to cover. Tech did get pressure on that play. They hit May. Yep. Like it, it wasn't like a bad defensive call or anything like that. UNC made a good play on it, but the, my main takeaway from that is like UNC wasn't n- afraid not afraid and this is a defense that gave up 40 points in one quarter to Appalachian State right yeah. and uh 
and they were averaging allowing 270 yards per game on the ground against FBS teams. They've been horrible defensively, but they have no fear of the Tech offense at all, and that, that was probably my, my main takeaway. And Mac Brown, I believe he went for it on fourth down twice on, on the, the first, first drive. drive. So in the yeah. first two drives, went for it three times, went three for three, and obviously put up the two touchdowns. Drake May uh, and that offense are obviously legit. I thought May looked like mm-hmm. an NFL prospect no as a redshirt freshman. Uh, David tweeted out during the game his 436 yards, the most by an opposing freshman in Virginia Tech history. Do you think the performance on Saturday, 41 points, is more of an indictment on Virginia Tech's defense and maybe not as good as we thought at the beginning of the year? Or do you think it's just that is a buzzsaw of a UNC offense that can pretty much put up 40 against anybody they play? I certainly think that uh, the Tech defense isn't as good as, as we thought it was because, I mean, that the BC offensive line at that point of the season was just so awful. Now, we did see them make some improvements this past week, you know, and which is my main issue with Tech is they aren't improving. We said we've seen BC improve, we've seen Georgia Tech improve now, but we haven't seen Virginia Tech improve. So I do think it was some of Tech's own defensive issues. Um, I also think May pl- made some throws that, uh, while the coverage wasn't great, like a normal college quarterback can't make those throws. Like there, there was there was one play. I don't know if you remember the play, but like Dax was playing linebacker and he immediately went sprinting back to match up with the outside receiver deep down the field, which he should never be asked to do to begin with. But he got back there to him and did a good job to get there, but it was just thrown just like this much over his hands. And it was just a perfect throw deep down the field that the vast, vast majority of college quarterbacks can't make. And that's one of those plays where like Dax doesn't even get a negative grade because you really, he, he, did something that you know most college linebackers would also do they they would give up that pass in that situation to a quarterback like may you can't can't play it too much better unless you're just a super freak athlete um so i thought it was some of both um i'm disappointed i i believe tech started seven defensive players that that started against unc last year and i and i get tech that lost lost some good players but they also had some players just not play as well as they did last year against UNC. Yeah, I think it's a kind of a combination of both. Like, the, I think this North Carolina offense is really good, um, and North Carolina is really going to score against anybody. But against a defense that hasn't been great, I think it's kind of amplified. Um, you know, and and I think all and I think UNC just kind of jumped out to a twenty-one-three lead. Yeah. I mean, they what? scored on its first or three of its first four drives yep. and mm-hmm. um and converted three fourth downs in the process of doing that and then the fourth the fourth score was off of Grant Wells interception and the North Carolina got the ball right there one play touchdown so i i think tech like obviously tech put him in that situation by throwing an interception but in general, North Carolina moved the ball down the field really well and made it look easy. Easily. And, like, Tech didn't. Tech wasn't even a speed bump to them. Like, no. the only time UNC couldn't score in the first half was when they threw an incompletion to a guy who was wide open, which you pretty much never see Drake May do. You know, so the, the stop on the first drive was more about UNC. I mean, this was close 
not quite as bad, but close to like 2020 style defensive performance for, from Virginia Tech and Chapel Hill. It was, it was, it, at no point in the game did they put up any sort of resistance. Yeah. They, they, they did a nice job against the run early on, I thought, um, especially when they got down on the goal line. Uh, Dax had a good game. Um, uh, whenever Virginia Tech made a good defensive play in the box, it was always Dax. Um, it's just when a bunch of other guys around him don't. It, it's hard to signal out a linebacker for playing well in, in a forty in a forty-one to ten loss when most of the other guys in the front seven don't play very well. But if you go back and watch it, um, you know obviously he didn't have a lot of help, but but he had a solid game. But and uh, other than that, you know Mansoor Delane, good game. Uh, Cole Nelson, pretty good. But other than that, not so good. Yeah, one I think one of the big things is. Dorian Strong, Tech's number one cornerback, mm. wasn't available, and we don't really know when Brent Price talks to the media tomorrow, but we don't know when he'll be available. It might, sounds like it might not be soon. Yeah. Um, so, Tech's down its number one cornerback, which means the pressure's on Breland Murray and Armani, and Armani Chapman, and, um, you know, Tech just kind of got exposed there. I don't think the pressure's going to be on Breon Murray much longer. Wow. Um, my guess is Mansoor Delane. I, I see no reason why he shouldn't start. I guess, we can, will we talk about that later, or do you want to talk about it We now? can talk about it now. Let's all dive right. into it. Um, I'm in favor of redshirting all freshmen, with the exception of guys that are physically ready and then can play a lot of snaps for you now. So those are Man's Bryce work. Duke. Yeah, right. And whose redshirt is gone now. That's five yes. games. Yeah. So, and, and I was glad to see he got carries. Like, if you're, if you're going to... Uh, to not redshirt a guy, you have to be able to justify that by giving him enough playing time, either yeah. on offense or defense. I don't. You can't justify a blown redshirt by putting a guy on kickoff return when more than half the kickoffs these days go through the end zone. Yeah. Like, that doesn't justify blowing a redshirt. The other two me. would be who? Mansoor Delaney, maybe, He's and, and Daquan Wright? Yes, absolutely. The, those guys. Um, now, those guys have just played in their first college game, so they could still redshirt. All right, so if they want to redshirt them, I'm actually okay with that, but because I don't think it's going to matter this year. Like, I don't think Tech's going to be good this year, no matter what. So I, I'm okay with uh, redshirting them. But but if you play them, start them and play a bunch of snaps. Like, yeah. don't give me this half-measure stuff. Of, <laughs> I don't want to look on Sunday and see the man toward Delane played 10 snaps. Uh, uh, you know, uh, He played, he, what, 21? 25. Daquan Wright played 21. Yeah. And uh, that's fine, but now he needs to start. Like, or if he doesn't start, he needs to be out there at least half the time. Uh, to, to justify you got to play that. 20 something and he, and he's definitely yeah. going to start next year so you've got to get if you're not going to redshirt him then you got to get him give him enough reps um to uh to justify not redshirting him and so to me i mean he looked like tech's second best corner yeah uh his open field tackling ability was very impressive he, it's, he it's came I, he came into the game and yeah. immediately tackled for loss yeah. and then came back and they tackled they, May. yeah and then yeah. Then they kind of like ran a little bit to the right, yeah. right at him, and he made another open field exactly. tackle on back-to-back plays. He looked like the player I thought he was. I mean, I thought he was one of Tech's maybe the best defensive prospect for Virginia Tech in this class. So uh, he's going to start next year definitely. And think about the future of your program. Yeah. You either redshirt him or you start him now. You don't do anything in between. It's got to be him, I think. And I, I and as far as Daquan Wright goes, again. It was his first college game, and he did well. He can certainly be a threat in the passing game. Uh, we've seen Drake Dulius' snaps take a big drop the last two weeks. Only seven against West Virginia, only eight against North Carolina. And when he has played this year, he has performed at a very low level. And he's a senior. And it just doesn't 
He hasn't been playing as well as he did the last two years. You'd like to see it come on, but at some point. Daquan Wright came in and played very well. Right, right. So, And he's physically ready to play. Like He doesn't need to redshirt. If they wanted to redshirt him, I'd be fine with him. But again, give him heavy snaps if you're not going to redshirt him. And yeah, they're going to come at the expense of Julius, who has had five opportunities this year to play well and and hasn't done it. And uh, Meanwhile, Wright was Tech's leading receiver on Saturday. Right, right. Um, Yeah, exactly. And Bloomerick is a guy uh, who will have snaps taken by Daquan Wright as well. You know, another analyst, uh, uh, French 60 Wasp, has noticed with Bloomerick, like when, when he's running like a dummy route and the pass isn't intended for him, he's not running his routes hard. Hmm. Which And you can sense that as a safety. If you see the guy in front of you is not running his route hard, you can cheat to the other side of the field, and that's hurting Tech's passing game. People think it's all this guy or that guy or this, but like – you have to do everything right in a passing game operation for it to be successful, and, and you have to run your routes hard. And, and if he's not doing that as a senior, I mean, culturally speaking, you play the guy who's going to do it. And and so, yeah, if uh, Wright is going to uh, – like Wright's an excellent prospect. Wright ended up being a four-star prospect. Yeah. He wasn't a four-star prospect when he committed to Tech, yep. but after he blew up – you know, after he played great his senior season and everybody actually saw, oh, wow, this guy's pretty good, even though he didn't have – a whole bunch of offers. He got the four-star ranking, and it was well-deserved. And I think he's a great prospect. And, again, if you want to redshirt him, you got to give him with the that. Sna- you got to give but, him the snaps. Right. Yeah. If you're going to play him, actually play him. So 20-plus snaps a game, and I'm okay with it. And you mentioned Bryce Duke, too. We had we'd seen him really just be kickoff return, maybe got a few snaps against Wofford, but he was kind of the short yardage back. Uh, yeah. He yeah. converted on. three. He was three of three to start, and then I, I tweeted at Will, yeah. and then I jinxed it. I tweeted it after the first two. I said, bright spot of the day. Tech is two of two in short yardage situations with Bryce Duke carrying the ball. And the last one, you notice what they did is that they actually took a snap from under center, I believe, for the first time all I saw season. That. Yeah, and handed it off to Duke, and of course, then it got stuffed. Um, it's not necessarily about the formations, I would say. But, yeah, but uh, but what with Duke, I, I think it's an interesting scenario because, and I have not gone back and looked at at the snap counts and stuff, but mm-hmm. but I feel like his his carries were pretty even to that of Black and Holston. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna again, if you're going to, you've already he can't redshirt. He's played in five games. <laughs> Play him now, right? Give Absolutely. him, give him the opportunities, and and we should note about Keyshawn King. Um, Chris had texted me after the game and asked if Keyshawn King had played in the second half, and mm-hmm. I said the only time he touched the ball was a kickoff return right before, right at the end of the third quarter. And I asked Brent Pry about it in the post game press conference, and Pry said basically he didn't straight up say he wasn't one hundred percent, but he basically alluded to and said when he's one hundred percent. So that that is probably why Keyshawn King did not get as many touches. But if he's not going to be 100% healthy and Malachi Thomas isn't 100% healthy, use Bryce Duke more. Well, yeah, and so like my question about that is if Keyshawn King's not healthy enough to play running back, why is he healthy enough to return kicks? You can get hurt just as easily returning kicks as you can playing running back. I mean, maybe even a higher chance because guys are running full speed. They've got 40 or 50 yards to pick up steam and everything like that. It's, kickoff returns are dangerous, so that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, like, I, I agree at that point. Like, If he's not 100%, the game wasn't winnable. Don't have him in the game at running back, but it doesn't make sense to have him to give him you know, kickoff return duties there. But as far as the running backs go itself, like, 
it doesn't need to be a four man rotation. Um, which would, which is what it was on Saturday. Yeah, he's four different backs, um, right? And let's say Malachi Thomas comes back, and then you've got five guys. So two of those guys don't need to get carries after that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I would like to play the whole. Everybody gets everybody gets a trophy game, but but, but I feel like but, at some point it leads to inconsistency, right? Sure, like like uh, to a if, certain extent. If you've got if you're trying to give four different running backs the ball, and I get it, Keyshawn Jing didn't really play in the second half, mm-hmm. so it was really dwindled down to three. Mm-hmm. But still, when you're trying to when you're trying to divvy it up, it, I feel like a lot of those guys can't really get in a rhythm. You're right, and it, but it's it's got to be when everybody's healthy. To me, the top three running backs would be Thomas King and Duke. Um, I think Black is more has more of a wide receiver build, and the Hokies need some help at wide receiver. So that's a move I would make in the spring. I think he's a good prospect. I just don't think he's quite a running back. Um, I, th- I think he could help more at wide receiver, particularly with the with the way the current uh, roster is structured. Um, so that's uh, those would be my top three if whenever they're all 100. percent And the hope is Malachi Thomas healthy soon. He he did dress out on Saturday. He, he dressed. I think he's getting better. Um, but I think at this point they're not real. I mean. I don't think Tech can, is really in a rush to play him. I don't think you are either. I I might be in a rush to redshirt. That's just me. <laughs> well, let's check in with Katie in the fourth chair for the first time. What, what do you got over there? We'll do a little segment called Silver Linings of the Weekend that don't include a Virginia Tech win. <laughs> and unfortunately, this might be a reoccurring segment throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> but, okay, first one, Virginia Tech women's soccer beats number three UNC just hours after the football loss. So that was incredible. Evan Hughes with the call. Um, you guys just mentioned that Malachi Thomas dressed out for the first time this season, so we'll see if he gets back into the rotation maybe this week, maybe next week. Um, someone affiliated with UNC's program told me after the game that they completely agree with the wine and cheese narrative about how they don't have good fans and that Virginia Tech has the best fans in the ACC. And this is someone who's inside their program, so I thought that was really funny. And I guess it was a silver lining after that horrible day. Um and then now that it's October, basketball season is next month. Yeah. So about in a month, we'll do a podcast that we can have split between football <laughs> and basketball. basketball. We'll probably enjoy the basketball segments a little bit more. That's probably true. No, and I- then lastly, this was a silver lining that actually turned out bad in the end. The fact that Tyrod Taylor played yesterday. And then, <laughs> and then he got, got hurt. Yeah. I, saw, I looked at your Twitter at one point yesterday and you retweeted, Somebody else's tweet. Tyrod Taylor is coming into the game, and then your very next tweet was Tyrod Taylor has a concussion or, or something or gets hurt. I don't know. Yeah, he I'm came like, in wow. for Daniel Jones, who was injured. That's but, that's a, that's yeah. a rough day. Your UNC comments funny because our UNC preview podcast last week, a UNC fan responded to it in the comments section. It was like, wow. We don't get coverage of UNC football like this anywhere else from a UNC source. He's like, I wish y'all would do a podcast on UNC football every week. I was like, that's that's pretty funny. Well, I I wish I had sent the uh, the picture I took. We we went to broadcast the game uh, as students, and from the top deck, I took a picture of the crowd about thirty did, minutes before the game. It. it was, I mean, it was a better crowd than Virginia Duke, oh, but that's not saying. Yeah, much. it looked like a spring game attendance, and mm-hmm. I hope that it would kind of stay like that, so we could you know hammer them with that. But it filled up a little bit more, like towards yes, towards yeah. the game, but still. Not I really. think I think maybe the hurricane scared people off even though it wasn't in the area at that point i think it might have scared a few people off probably scared a few people off but the still not they're not great yeah. at that anyway <laughs> so 
All right. Well, thank you, Katie. We'll check back in with you in a little bit here. Uh, we were talking about true freshmen getting experience, and we got to see Cam Johnson as well at cornerback. Uh, the, the secondary was red a shirt. L- red shirt. Yes. Red shirt. <laughs> yes. The, the, well, the secondary was a little bit banged up uh, throughout the game. Again, yeah. you mentioned no Dorian Strong. Armani Chapman missed a few snaps. Uh, Jalen Stroman missed the first half, and yeah. then he got hurt in the second half. Uh, so got to see Cam Johnson. Thoughts on the way that he performed in his he, first game? He was okay. Uh, I think the one pass that kind of went, I, I don't know if it went for a touchdown or right to the goal line, that kind of seemed like it was his fault. I thought that was more on the safeties personally. So he did okay out there. Um, still, he's only 160 pounds and doesn't do him any good. Like he, he might, he could just as easily get hurt at that size as he would get out there and actually improve as a football player. Yeah, It's most important for his long-term development to put on size right now. So, uh, like, like, so like for, if it were me, if it were me, like he wouldn't have even been at that game. Like he would have been recovering, taking his protein supplements because he just did a heavy lift day on Friday to get bigger. Cause that's more important than to his long-term future as a football player than playing 19 snaps in a blowout. In my opinion, uh, you need to keep the red shirt on that guy and you need to do everything. I think he's an excellent prospect. I think he and Delane are the two best defensive prospects of this past year's class. And it's, they're both corners. Um, but I think he's not he's not as further along as Delane simply because he's about 20 pounds He's lighter. not physically ready he's to play. He's not physically ready to play. The guy's 10, 10 pounds smaller than me. So I, I think uh, he, he, he that's got to be his primary focus. I'm not saying he shouldn't. He's got to develop in practice and everything like that. But he, he's got to hit the weights heavy. But, like, if you're playing in a football game on Saturday, you can't hit those weights yeah. heavy on Friday. Yeah. We've had that conversation. Wait, I, we we need a new button for Chris. Heavy lift Friday. Yes. Oh, next to the red shirt. <laughs> I, I will say though, I, I think to your question, I think Johnson, who maybe is not necessarily physical physically ready, and Delane, who you would say probably is, yes. both of those guys came in and they're. It, it wasn't like there was a huge drop off, which kind yeah. of shows you right. where those guys are in terms of like the technical aspect of playing cornerback. Yeah. Because <laughs> Breon Murray got burned a couple times, and you know between him and Armani Chapman and um, and Chamari Connor, I mean, I think like you mentioned, Jalen Stroman was out the first half, and Tech was kind of mixing and matching with guys back there. And those guys, those two guys came in, and it wasn't like UNC was targeting every. Targeting him every single yeah. time. I mean, Delane yeah. came in and they actually tackles they immediately. They didn't target him at all. He played 25 snaps. They didn't throw a single pass wow. at him. So he wasn't challenged, but at the same time, maybe he wasn't challenged because he had those receivers covered up pretty well, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm confident that like if Tech is well-coached and the players are developed properly, that Justin Fuente's last class at Virginia Tech is going to prove to be his best. Well, let's wrap things up on the defense with this. Uh, quarterback run defense was tested for the first time. I really faced four guys who were kind of statues in the pocket mm-hmm. uh, in the first four games. And now you see Drake May. He ran 13 times for 73 yards, two touchdowns. Do you think not facing a mobile quarterback in the first month really just put the Hokies behind the eight ball there, just not having seen it in live action yet this season? Maybe. Um but at the same time, like, May's been doing some of that to other teams as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I just think he's a really good player. Um, he, uh, 
He escaped. There were a couple times where he escaped. Yeah, I was like, surprised he got he, out he, of it. He, Howell was a really good college quarterback. May has more physical tools than, than Sam Howell, I would say. Um, and he's smart too. Um, so when when is it? When does the ACC's new scheduling kick in? Next year. Next, next year. year? Yeah. So no UNC next year. Uh, no. Nope. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. So well, this, so, might, so this so might be the only time we ever face Drake May. It's true. Yeah, yeah, because he what, really has. You mean a look before of, before he goes to like the NFL? He, he has a look of being a really early entry into the draft. He looks like he's that good. Well, that's what like I asked Dax Highfield after about him after the game, and Dax was like, "He's gonna be playing on Sundays real soon." Yeah, he just just he's got a lot of like you said physical tools, and I think I think to to your point, yes, I think not facing a run uh, a running quarterback those first four weeks kind of hurt Tech. You know, Tech didn't have to necessarily even like put a spy on him or anything just yeah. just rush for he might scamper for a couple but he's not going to go run ballistic on you and there were a couple times where may didn't have anything downfield and just pulled it and whoever was the the line the closest linebacker was kind of just oh no he's running away from me and that's just kind of how it went a couple times and what 73 yards 73 yards and a few of those scampers like you're talking about were on big third downs and yeah. 9 10 11 yeah. somewhere in there one he, and he what he ran for one touchdown or two touchdowns two touchdowns one was um, a quarterback sneak one was yeah one was a quarterback sneak and then the other one was what the first touchdown of the game where he, yeah he, he took or, it he, i think he, he was, literally just like pulled it around <laughs> and went in untouched into the end he's zone. probably the reason like i would put them as coastal favorites right now yeah oh yeah um, i would too I, I, and the thing is like i think their defense is wretched they're so bad we made them look like you know the baby blue people eaters out there <laughs> but uh but their defense is not good at all but he's so good and the rest of the coastal was so mediocre. And he has good that, weapons. Yeah, 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 yeah. No question. They got some dudes out there. But yeah, they're the favorites right now. And then they'll actually face, you know, I mean, God, there's four teams in the Atlantic I think are better than them. But uh, maybe five. Yeah, um, but uh but for sure they're they're the uh, they're the favorites in the coastal. A little tease for our ACC power rankings coming up <laughs> at the end of the show from Chris and David. Uh let, let's get to our break here but let's check in with Katie one more time in the fourth year. That's exactly what I was going to do, a little precursor to the ACC power rankings. It's funny that you say you think UNC is the favorite in the coastal. I think that you, uh, so Carolina travels to Duke in 2 weeks. I think the winner of that game might Carolina you know, win Duke the coastal, which, the coastal. which is crazy because we sat here at the beginning of the season <laughs> and we're like it's Pitt and Miami like they're just going to run the coastal, you know, no one is as good as them. And then in back-to-back weeks, you know, Miami gives up 45 to Middle Tennessee State and then Pitt <laughs> loses to a failing program in Georgia Tech. So it's just very funny. I'm excited for that game in two weeks with Carolina and Duke because you where, never thought where is I'd that see game? the day. It's at Duke. So, like, Which I think will favor Duke. Not that they have a home crowd advantage. Right. It's going to be rowdy. No. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the final year of the Coastal Division, it's like – Coastal chaos at its finest. Yeah. So Carolina and Duke may be playing for the to be the Coastal t- Division t- title. What's Me- next? Virginia Tech winning men's basketball title? I mean, who knows? <laughs> Crazy and, world we live in. And Kansas is 5-0. and, oh. and, Blue and Kansas, day. Kansas, Duke, and... Well, I guess Duke's not because Kansas beat Duke. But Syracuse is also 5-0. and oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, well, and Kentucky was one or two plays shy of... Winning at yeah. Ole Miss as the number seven team mm-hmm. in the country, all these blue bloods are just deciding to be good at football now. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk We'll talk about the coastal chaos and also a lot of good teams in the Atlantic. Four under, three undefeated teams in the Atlantic right now and uh, a couple of really good ones as well. Uh, just got their first loss this weekend. We'll talk about that in the second half. We'll talk a little more about the offense as well for Virginia Tech. All that coming up after this break on episode 259 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back into episode 259 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Tech Sideline brought to you by First Bank and Trust Company. Make sure to leave your comment or question for David and Chris if you are watching live in the YouTube. We'll get to those with Katie at the end of the show. We've already talked a lot about defense, some of the freshmen getting involved in Virginia Tech's game against North Carolina on Saturday. But let's look at the offense a little bit more. Uh, Early on in the game, there were some bright spots. A big play by Caleb Smith. Keyshawn King had a nice run uh, down the right sideline. There were some things that started to look better there, but obviously a little too much inconsistency on the offensive side. Yeah, and it's kind of like I expected to see improvement in some ways against UNC, and I thought we did early. Um, how much of that was because Tech improved, or how much of that was because of the, of the nature of the defensive competition they were facing? I think when you take it over four quarters of football, I think you can say that probably Tech didn't improve. Um, I thought they did get off to a solid start, but that they couldn't sustain it. And when it comes down to it, they scored 10 points. Florida A&M FCS team, who was missing 25 suspended players, scored 24 on UNC. Georgia State, who did not win a game in the month of September, scored 28 on UNC and almost won the game. Appalachian State scored 40 in one quarter. Tech scored 10 in four quarters. Um so did the Tech offense get better this past week against the worst defense they'll face all year? I could not say that they did. I, I think the first half was a little bit of an improvement. Uh, yes. The, yes. The, the first half, Tech had five drives in the first half. A field goal on the first drive of the game, mm-hmm. a punt, then Wells's interception, another punt, and then Tech scored the touchdown on a 14-play drive that took five minutes and, right and, before half. And on one of the punts, they should have picked up a first down, but there was a drop by, Lo- by Lofton over Correct. there. Correct. Right. That was the either that was the, the second. second one. Yeah, that was the well, second, the I, second I, drive. Right before UNC went on their field goal drive uh, to end the half, I texted somebody. It might have been y'all. I don't remember. But I said, you know, UNC has only outgained us like 210 to 180. Yep. It, it was it – was, pretty close I, I, from that they, they were finishing drives and tech had one turnover yeah but as far as the like tech was hanging in there as far as moving the football, I, I thought tech yeah i thought tech moved the football in the first half mm-hmm. and in the second half it just seemed like like a tech tech punted five straight times yeah didn't cross midfield until there was about two minutes left in the game i would bet any amount round. of money yeah, that, that tech is the first team this year to punt five straight times against unc tech and it we, don't, we don't need to go look right. that up, but <laughs> but like the fact that Tech only punted or Tech only crossed midfield three times in the game, and two of them were in the first half, and then the other time was Garbage when Jason time. Brown was in at quarterback on the second to last drive of the game, right? Like and, and probably a bunch of UNC backup defenders. Yes. Yeah, I mean Tech Tech punted five times, and th- the middle three drives were three and outs. None of the none of the three and outs took more than ninety seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
you're running coming out there running three plays and giving the ball right back. Of course, of course your your defense is gonna get, yeah, get stomped. I mean, if you can't you like yet Virginia Tech still, I believe, had three more minutes time of possession than uh well, let's see what the final time UNC of possession score fast, man. Tech, yeah. Tech did have more uh, possession time, I believe. 30, 31 minutes. Yeah, 32 minutes or 28 minutes. So te- Tech held the ball well in the first half, right. but then came out in the second half and punted away. And when you give the ball back to that high-powered offense of North Carolina, it's just yeah, so you, are, you are basically saying, you know, just – just come right at us again. So clearly, the halftime adjustments favored Carolina. Yeah, in this game, I mean, without question. Um, I mean, the total yards were fairly similar up until that last fifty-yard drive by UNC with twenty-eight seconds left, um, and the difference was a turnover and Tech kicking a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown on their first drive. But the second half was just a route. No matter how you, yeah. no matter how you look at it, whether that's because UNC just started playing better, or whether that's because they made better halftime adjustments than Tech, I, I don't know. But the game was not competitive at all in in the second half, and it was fairly competitive in the first half. Yeah, Carolina scored seven, all seventeen points in the third quarter. Neither team scored in the fourth. Let's talk about Jason Brown a little bit here. He got some reps late in the game for the second time this year. Four of nine, 35 yards. Again, it was garbage time, but did you see anything that impressed you with the backup quarterback? Oh, I mean, it's really hard to judge because, uh, like, everybody's mentally checked out of the game at that point. Um, and he should have been five of nine because he hadn't left and dropped another one. He yeah. dropped one pass for each quarterback. Um I think I think Jason Brown is. I mean, every practice of I've attended, plus the spring game. Grant Wells has outperformed Jason Brown every time I've seen. Every time I've watched it, I know everybody loves the backup quarterback, but like you're not going to magically put Jason Brown in the game and you're going to make up for thirty-one points this week or tw- or twenty. How many? How many? Twenty-three last week. Last week, week? Yeah. right, right. So Tech is losing by fifty-four points over the last two weeks. That's One, not that yeah. plugging in a different quarterback. Yeah, is not it's not, and it doesn't make any sense anyway. You're not playing. You're not playing. You, yes, you want to win as many games as you can this year within reason. But like Jason Brown is a senior this year, and he can't help this football team in the future. Grant Wells and, has and, a couple years. A couple of years of eligibility, and, he, and he's got more arm talent. Yeah, and he's a better runner. Like he is a more talented player, so my whole thing with Jason with with Grant Wells is he's physically talented enough, uh, certainly more physically talented than the guy Tech had last year, but but somehow Burmeister's at San Diego State this year and he's only completing fifty percent of his passes for three point seven yards per attempt. When he was at Tech last year, he was completing about fifty six percent of his passes, seven point seven yards per attempt. Yeah. Um, like Wells has already thrown more interceptions than Burmeister did last year, despite being a lot more physically talented. So like Burmeister was more productive. Like he got more out of his ability. Yeah. If Grant Wells gets as mu- gets as much out of his ability as Burmeister did, he'll be a much better quarterback. So my whole thing is, if Grant Wells is well coached and the Tech offense is well coached, he will develop because he has the physical talent to do so. Um, we just have to let that play out and see if it happens. Is it happening right now? No. And that concerns me. But, uh, like, putting Jason Brown in... It's too early to j- Putting Jason Brown in the game, even if he did perform better, maybe you win one more game this year 
what does that really matter in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, and I think and I think you wrote about it yesterday on Sunday in your in your Sunday thoughts. If, if you put in, if you take out Grant Wells, yes, again, you maybe you win one more game. It's not going to be a dramatic change, and I think it would set the team back next year yeah. in the future because Grant Wells, as unless you get some other random quarterback that's better out of the transfer portal because I doubt you're going to get a high school quarterback that has the experience. Tech's like high that. school commit for 2023 has already been benched this year. Their quarterback commit got benched this past weekend. That's a great sign, right? Uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, well, but but to my <laughs> point, like unless you get a, a more talented kid out of the portal, yeah. you know, with more experience, Wells has the experience. But I think there are a lot of things around him in the offense, like like the offensive issues are not just him. Absolutely not. And and I think it it would be a detriment to this offense if they were to take Wells out. I, I think. Sure, you could play Jason Brown, but Jason Brown's not going to be the quarterback next year because he's not going to be here. Right. So, like, yeah, sure, you you can play Jason Brown if you want, but next year Grant Wells would benefit from getting the reps that he's he would be able to get Correct. this year. And I'm sick of the quarterback carousel at Virginia Tech. What if we talked about every year for like the last three years yeah. on these podcasts how we're sick of changing quarterbacks every year? <laughs> Or every game. Uh, and is, people is are still like, I want a different quarterback. This quarterback's not doing it for do, me. Do you remember what you've said the last three years when you get mad at all the quarterback changes? No, you, you, like he's the most talented quarterback on the roster, and he's got multiple years left. Like he's got to be the starter. Like, and if if you want to replace him in the offseason with someone in the transfer portal, okay, fine, but you start that game all over again, yeah. right? Let's just switch quarterbacks every year. You know that the, the thing and the thing that uh. Those t- programs that switch their quarterbacks around all the time, they all have one thing in common. They're not good, <laughs> right? And they're generally not good for a <laughs> lot more reasons than their quarterback. Yeah. That's just uh, that, that's just the, the scapegoat, yeah. right? And then I'm not saying Wells can't play better because he certainly can, but he also has a much higher ceiling than a guy like Jason Brown, and mm-hmm. it would make absolutely no sense right now to make a quarterback change to me, unless Jason Brown has started showing things in practice that he was not showing before, which seems unlikely considering he's in the final seven games of a six-year career. Yeah, uh, and I think, yes, there are many places Wells can improve. Again, there are many places the offense can improve. For example, he had that deep touch, the deep pass down the, the tech sideline to Caleb Smith that was a bit underthrown. Smith kind of still adjusted and tried to make a play, and then Tony Grimes kind of... Swatted it out of there. I watched the the Clemson Wake Forest game last week, and every receiver on the field for both those teams would have made that catch. So there's that. Well, I, I mean, and I think you know Caleb Smith has been Tech's number one receiver all yeah, year. Caleb yeah, Caleb Smith is fine. It's just the problem is like he shouldn't be the number one guy. Yeah, he's a complimentary receiver and a good yeah. complimentary receiver. But but he he shouldn't be, be the number one guy and he, and he is yeah and I think that just goes to show you that when people complain about the quarterbacks there are more issues about this offense we don't need to get into the offensive line because we've talked about it before but the fact that Keyshawn King arguably the most explosive player on on this offense didn't even touch the field except for once really in the second half 
when you're not getting your explosive players the ball, you're not going to make big plays. North Carolina had 22 plays of 10 or more yards. Wow. Against Virginia Tech. Tech had six, I think. And Carolina came into the game, I think, next to next to last in the country in 20-plus yard plays allowed. So that's yeah. all they do is give up chunk plays. Carolina had 10 plays of 20 or more yards. Yeah. Tech had two. Right. And this season, and I, I put it in my my article after the game on Saturday, this season Virginia Tech has 16 plays of 20 or more yards offensively. Eight of them, four each, have come from Caleb Smith or Keyshawn King. But, but when Keyshawn King doesn't play in the second half, and when North Carolina knows Caleb Smith is Virginia Tech's best receiver – well, other guys, you know, it, it's not it, tech. He's basically in a corner and, and and can't do much. And when you can't have explosive plays, like yes, Caleb Smith probably should have made that catch, or the ball probably should have been thrown a little bit better. But that's a play you need to make for your offense to be able to succeed. And when you can't make that play, you know, you shoot yourself in the foot. And and, and even the simple simple things like Lofton dropping. Two passes that hit him right in the hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is one of these these offenses where it's still in the building stages. You need almost everything to go right for you to have a chance. And right now, a lot of the things just aren't going right. Well, one thing did go right for Virginia Tech that I've been waiting. It's our silver lining. Penalties were much better on Saturday after 15 for 132 yards against West Virginia. Three penalties, 22 yards. That was it for Virginia Tech yeah, on Saturday. Two false starts and unsportsmanlike conduct. Yes. So you look at the the punishment system that they put in last week. Do you think that that was the, a step in the right direction? Obviously, I think it, it made some some differences in Saturday's game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think anytime your coach tells you you're going to have to run a 40-yard sprint for every penalty yard, like, you know, it, you, you pick up. Like for like Jalen Stroman had a targeting penalty, he would have had 15 40 yard sprints, yeah. which right? is nothing compared to what it used to be at Tech. It used to be 100 yards for every <laughs> for every yard of penalty. I don't know. I mean, but even, yeah. but but even just like a, a simple that I think that's a simple solution to yeah. to a problem, and I think it's better. Obviously, against Pitt this weekend, you know, we'll see if that continues to go in the right direction, but. Um, but, I mean, what, the last time Tech was on the road was Old Dominion and had 15 penalties. So, at least on the road, yeah. in a road environment, it's an improvement. Yeah, it was. Um, and it could have something to do with that punishment, uh, the new punishment stuff. Uh, time will tell. Um, it did matter on Saturday, but, like, I know it's hard to believe right now, but Virginia Tech will be in a close football game at some point again this year. And... But if when they, it's, if, if now and if they have a three penalty game, yeah, they might win that game because yeah. of that. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a it's a situation that you would rather you you'd rather be in a th- have three penalties than fifteen penalties. <laughs> because if Virginia Tech had fifteen penalties in the game, Ooh. it would have been a lot worse. Only having three, I think it kind of just goes to show you that maybe the discipline did work. Well, and I'm not sure who that unsportsmanlike was on. It was, it was on, on a, Ty Eller. On a, it was on a was, punt, I believe. It was on a kickoff return that Kick went off. for a touchback, actually. Yes. Yeah, so I, so I looked up and I saw we had the ball at like the 12-yard line, and I'm like, what happened? Yeah, so so I'm wondering, know. because it was half the distance to the goal, does he get 
those two and a half uh, sprints mm. off, or does he have to do the full fifteen? That's a good question. We we may have to ask Brent Pry that at some mm. point. Uh, <laughs> does half I the distance to the goal save them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we we've done enough. We talked through the entire game. Uh, Hokies will look to bounce back on Saturday at Acrisure Stadium uh, in Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm gonna call Heinz Field. Absolutely, it's Heinz Field. It'll it'll always be Heinz Field, but in Pittsburgh against the Pitt Panthers, who are coming off a tough loss. Uh, which brings us into our second uh, weekly edition of the ACC Power Rankings. Chris and David have both put together their 1 through 14 of the ACC. Uh, Let's go through this one by one. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it on the screen. Uh, Starting at 14, you guys are in lockstep. Uh, The Louisville Cardinals lost to Boston College (laughs) this weekend. Uh, That earns them the seller in the ACC. It does. And, you know, I really had it. It was a tough battle between four or five different teams for the seller spot. <laughs> but in you know, the two teams out of these three that won, based on the what have you done for me lately, are elevated higher. Uh, Louisville's in last because of they lost to Boston College. And, Boston and they College still don't have just, an ACC win. Right, right. And they had, BC had just been so bad this year. that yeah. That gives Louisville the nod for last place. Congratulations. Oh, 11 through 13 is a little bit of where you guys uh, varied. Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and UVA are 11 through 13 for both of you. Chris, you had the, the Yellow Jackets a little bit higher after firing their coach this week and getting a big win against Pittsburgh, uh, while David, you think that UVA, despite losing at Duke, uh, deserves number 11. Oh, I just didn't think. <laughs> I just don't think Georgia like I, I George, good for Georgia Tech for getting a win, but. I agree. They're, they're not very good, but said these are power rankings. Yes. So that's why I put them 11th. And they have bottom line is they have a better win than anybody else on the bottom it's of true. this list. So that's far. Good point. It's so true. That, that, that's why I put them 11th. I don't think they're the 11th best team in the ACC. No. Although maybe they will be. Like they fired their coach. And immediately got better. So maybe maybe they will. Maybe they'll start playing now. Who knows? Well, for Virginia Tech, Chris, you have them at twelve. David at thirteen, second to last in the ACC. Just, dude, it's and honestly, you could probably put Virginia there too. I, like it's you know, I I debated for Virginia Tech anywhere from twelfth through last. Yeah, I could buy an argument for any one of those. I could. I agree. At 10, both have Boston College. Slow start to the season, but got to win this week, they, so they, they get a little bump. They won a football game, and I, I put them one spot I put them one spot ahead of Georgia Tech because I do think they have an NFL quarterback and an NFL wide receiver. That's my justification. Zay, hey, Zay Flowers He's really made some good. pretty good catches. He sure did. Yep. At number 9, uh, Miami for both of you, and 8, Pitt. So two coastal teams who are kind of just middling right there. Yeah, yeah, they both and they both have issues, bad issues. Um, and I'm Miami was off this week, um, so Miami I think kind of just okay. You you didn't do anything, which is good because after losing <laughs> to Middle Tennessee, you <laughs> needed to not do week. anything. Yeah, yeah, but like. I don't know. We'll, well, I think we'll, we'll find out more about Pitt this weekend. One through seven for both of you is the same seven teams. Uh, the top three are the same for both of you. But here in the bottom of the top half, uh, you you both have Duke, six for Chris, seven for David. Uh, and for Chris, you have the Tar Heels a little bit lower. David has them at five. You have them all the way down at seven. I debated between five and seven. And I was really splitting hairs between all three of those teams. I probably should have had them fifth or sixth in hindsight. Um, 
because they are more explosive than, than those other teams. On the other hand, they don't play anywhere near as good a defense no. as those other teams. But they do have a talent advantage overall yes. on those teams. You know, it's going to change on a week-to-week basis. Who do they play this week? Any North idea? Carolina. Oh, North Carolina, duh. Um, so that, that, that'll – yeah, North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, who do they play this week? Sorry. I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. UNC plays Miami. 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. Wow. We'll get some power rankings sort of. Yeah, that, that, that's that going was, to be that, a, that a big shuffle. Up. Yeah. Well, both of you are very Atlantic heavy at the top, to say the least. Chris, your top five are all in the Atlantic. David, you have do Florida have North State. You have six. North Carolina five, Florida State at six. Uh, but the top five, the, the Atlantic is very competitive. You look uh, at Syracuse. Five and zero now. They they won wow. fifty nine to nothing and shortened their quarters in the second <laughs> half against oh, Wagner was, this week. Never seen that before. Uh, they have a bye week this week, but I believe their NC, next game NC after State. that is NC State. So that'll be a big one in the Atlantic as well. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. The, the, like so, NC State has lost one uh, ACC game. And they and can't lose has, a second if has, they want to have a chance. As has Wake Forest. Right, and right. Essentially, and, and they, they all need Clemson and, to lose. And they Well, they need Clemson to lose twice. Yeah. Because Clemson, Clemson it would be surprising if they didn't win the Atlantic because they have the tiebreaker over, over their, their top and competition. State. And, like, Florida State has now lost a game in the ACC. So Florida State would need to beat Clemson head-to-head, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, so... I, I think it's a very competitive conference, but at the same time, it's October third, and I really think the division has basically been decided, decided already. Yeah. Just, but just because of when the games were were played. Yeah. Well, the the top three are Clemson for both of you, Wake Forest at second, and NC State is third. NC State was competitive early in that game against Clemson. Just it, it seems a, like that Tigers defense can just shut down anybody. I think you know they're improved across the board. Um, their their quarterback, his arm talent is insane. You want to give a give a run at his name? Nope. <laughs> DJ Uyunglele. DJ Uyunglele. Uyunglele. You know, when I was watching them play Wake Forest, uh, a Wake defender came through and actually had one of his legs wrapped up, and one of his legs was planted on the ground. The other was in the air, and he snapped off this throw, just his arm, like twenty five or thirty yards down the field, in between two Wake Forest defenders. A bullet couldn't even step into throw. Like a Wake player had him wrapped up by the leg with his leg up in the air. I don't think I've ever seen a throw like that before. That guy has so much physical talent, yeah. and he's playing better this year. Yeah. Um, um, you know, maybe maybe, maybe Clemson did need some change on, on their staff. Maybe they needed some fresh blood in there. Yeah. Uh, they just maybe, con- maybe Brent Vittables was wishing he hadn't left. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clemson just continues to roll, and I think, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, they played the two other best – teams in in the ACC Wake give gave them a run for their money mm-hmm. um you know but I, th- I do think it's interesting um when, when you look at the ACC as a whole we talked about this at the beginning of the season about how good this conference was in terms of quarterbacks and and DJ's played well at Clemson Sam Hartman's played well at Wake Forest but the next best quarterback or you know the other quarterback up there is Drake May Brennan, oh, yeah, he's like, just as good. UVA's Brennan Armstrong. Garrett Trader for Syracuse. Garrett Trader from Syracuse has been yeah. good, too. But Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Those guys haven't been great. Well, Van Dyke got benched. Yeah, you know, against Middle Tennessee. Who's going to start for them now? 
Yeah, it, you and he was very good for him last year. It's crazy. Yeah, Van Dyke and Evan Leary, I think, are the and two that are, that have both maybe been underwhelming, expected to have big years, and just haven't quite been as good as may, many people expected. Yeah. Well, obviously, a lot to still sort out in, in the ACC, but Chris, I think you're right. The Tigers, Clem, Clemson, has surpassed its two toughest tests of the season. Yeah. Still have to play Syracuse and Florida State, uh, which those are sneaky teams that, in the right circumstances, maybe could get the upset, but. Uh, they've beaten the best two teams on their schedule already. I think Clemson's defense is pretty overwhelming if if they're properly coached. I, I think it took them way too long to make the switch to cover two against uh, against Wake Forest. They were leaving their corners out on an island, and, and very few corners can hang with those Wake Forest receivers. Those guys are top-notch players. and But I think if, the, if they had switched to that earlier in the game, that game wouldn't have been as close. Once they switched to it, it became about man-on-man. Offensive lineman versus defensive lineman. And Clemson and, has and that, the town. And that's a battle Clemson's always going to win unless they're playing Georgia or Alabama or somebody like that. All I know is I'm glad Virginia Tech doesn't have Clemson on the schedule this year. This is true. This is true. Well, that'll wrap up our ACC Power Rankings this week. David and Chris will be uh, closely watching the games this weekend to make their decisions for next week. Obviously, that UNC-Miami game uh, could have big coastal implications this weekend. Before we finish up here on episode 259, let's check in in the YouTube chat. Katie, any good questions in there? Um, Dwight Vick says, don't you think despite the issues with talent, the offense should open it up more, be more innovative, yeah. wildcat option, et cetera? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. And that, was one of my, that was one of my big – like if I had an, an overall criticism of the offense, it would be I think it's too basic. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's – and you mentioned it earlier, I think when we were in the break, that yes, they put in a little bit more – They finally um, ran a jet sweep this week. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, put in, they put in some more motion they and did. stuff. But – Virginia Tech is too easy to game plan for right now. You know exactly what Virginia Tech is going to have. And if Keyshawn King can't play, you know even more of what Virginia Tech doesn't have. And you've got to throw in some wrinkles that that give you a chance where you are putting your playmakers in situations, whatever playmakers you have, you're putting them in situations where they can, they can make a play. But when the defense can... You know, this is one of the worst defenses in not just the ACC, but in the country. And when that unit can, and we talked about last week about all the issues North Carolina had defensively, that unit probably didn't have to, I mean, I don't know exactly what they were game planning for, but my guess is they didn't have to game plan an extraordinary amount for this tech offense because it's so, I don't want to say vanilla, but very plain. And if, like Dwight said, if you start to mix it up, and be creative and and do different things, I, I think that leads to different results, whether they be positive or negative. You have to take chances, and I think that's the bottom line. Um, I, You know, I, I, I studied Duke's coaching staff yesterday for my column, and, you know, Duke is a team that went 0-8 in the ACC last year, and I think everybody would have said, oh, they don't have any talent. You don't have talent if you go 0-8 in the ACC, right? Yeah. Well, all of a sudden they, they change coaches, and with the same group of players and went 0-8 last year, they're 4-1, and and their only loss was a one-possession loss to Kansas, who's, who's unbeaten. Who's 5-0 in ranks. Right, right. So all of a sudden, Duke had right, – Tech won that game by 31 against Duke last year against those non-talented Duke players, right? If they played tomorrow, Duke would probably win by 31. Same groups of players, 62-point swing, right? Um, it's so much more to it than talent. And when I look at Duke's coaching staff, I see they have a first-year head coach in Mike Elko, 
but he hired an offensive coordinator who has been an offensive coordinator at four different schools, including other Power Five schools. He has coached quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends in his career. Very experienced coach, just knows offense across the board. And uh, for his defensive coordinator, he hired a guy who has been the defensive coordinator at three or four different schools also, including like Power Five schools like Arkansas. So Mike Elko, as a first-year head coach, went out and hired extremely experienced coordinators. And Brent Pry, first-year head coach, hired a guy who's been an offensive coordinator for one year at Fordham, and that's it. And a defensive coordinator who's never been a defensive coordinator. So Brent Pry is trying to be a head football coach, and he's got a very experienced guy running an offense and two of the offensive assistants have actual more experience running an offense than the actual offensive you coordinator. Can, yeah. it, kind of, it reminds me of the situation at Virginia Tech. When Brian Steinspring became offensive coordinator, they hired Kevin Rogers, who was Notre Dame's former offensive coordinator, to just be the quarterback's coach. So you've got a very experienced offensive coordinator who wasn't the offensive coordinator. Brian Steinspring was the offensive coordinator who had never been the offensive coordinator. It kind of reminds me of how this tech staff is set up and from a defensive standpoint prize trying to be the head coach but he's also trying to teach the defensive coordinator how to be a defensive coordinator so you have a first year head coach who's learning on the job and his two coordinators are also learning on the job and i'm not saying long term that duke is going to be for better than virginia tech but they've hit the ground running because Faster. they had extreme with an zero and eight team from last year that lacked yeah. talent right it's amazing when you have a veteran coaching staff and they really know what they're doing. It's amazing how much more talented Duke looks. Yeah, and I right? think I think this coaching staff has experience, obviously, but not in like Chris Marv is besides whatever he whatever you know series he called against Wofford. Chris Marv has never called defensive snaps before mm-hmm. as a defensive coordinator, and and I think he's a, a good coach. I, I yes. think we've seen improvement from some of the linebackers, but I, but I, but for situationally, the stuff on their plate, you know, maybe t- maybe those guys have too much on their plate. Well, I mean, how could Chris Marv have too much on his plate when he's not even the actual? Well, I, well, I mean, <laughs> a guy like know? I was more talking about like Tyler Bowen, Ty- Bowen. in, in, in well, a case where he's. He's trying to coach his tight ends and run an offense, and well, there are more people around well, him. Every offensive coordinator has a position to coach, though. That's true. Um, he's a first-year coordinator with two experienced coordinators. He's technically their boss, right? And he comes from the Joe, Joe Moorhead offense, and Brad Glenn has done his own little thing at the schools he's coached at, and then Rudolph comes at, from a completely different offense at Wisconsin. So you've got a guy who's never coordinated an offense before at this level trying to combine all these different things together. And and I'm not saying that, that Tech should be out there scoring 40 points a game because, no, they're not good enough to do that. But it but, should but, be more creative than this. Well, it should be more productive, whether you're ta- whether it's because of creativity or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, if Florida A&M can score 24 down 25 players and Tech scores 10, Georgia State scores 28 on UNC and Tech scores 10, it's just, I mean, you can't tell me, like, or, uh, Kansas is the other one. Kansas, historically, Kansas doesn't have any good players, right? Now, guess what? They have a coach and two coordinators with over 10 years of coordinating experience, and they're hosting college game day. Um, I just, I think there's, I think, I'm not saying it won't work. 
But I'm saying it, it does. Take, not, it probably I'm, takes more time. And I'm not. I'm, and I'm not saying anybody needs to get fired or anything like that. I have not come to any drawn any conclusions here at all because we got seven games left. But I have my concerns about the makeup of the staff and the inexperience at the most important positions on the staff. Let's take one more question from the YouTube chat. We'll try to end on a high note. Ryan says, give me hope. What do we have to look forward to next year? Next year? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, uh, For for football? Yeah, I mean, I I think Tech has good young players in the program. They they play a bunch of linebackers that I think have talent. Now, we got to get them playing in the right positions. That's been one of my issues um, is Will Johnson, who got his first collegiate action this past week. He's been playing Mike and Will. And Kelly Lawson has played Sam and Will. Poor Jaden McDonald is a redshirt freshman. Since practice started, he's practiced at all three linebacker spots. Like, got to get these guys in one spot and let them learn it. And and so that's why maybe you're seeing some inconsistency at linebackers because these guys haven't been able to get settled in. I mean, Kelly Johnson only moved to, to Kelly, line, Kelly Lawson. Kelly Lawson. Well, I keep calling him Kelly Johnson. <laughs> Kelly Lawson only moved to a linebacker halfway through the spring. And then he missed like the last two weeks of August practice due to surgery. surgery, So in that short amount of time playing linebacker, he's worked at Will and Sam. And you throw him out there and and expect him to start a game and play well, and he didn't. But that's not his fault. Uh, I don't think that's his best position at Will to begin with. But then the fact that he's practiced in so many different roles is tough. But I do think if they can figure out those guys' best positions, I think all those guys are very talented players. I think Mansoor Delane's a very talented player. I think Daquan Wright's a very talented player. Um, There's projectable players on this Tech team, and it's going to come down to player development. And But it's not just about the players. Like, I want Tech to add talent to this team, of course, like everybody else. But... They have to make sure they have the right coordinators in place at the end of the season to develop that talent. Because right now, I'm not certain, I don't think they're getting the most out of our current talent. So even if you upgrade the talent, you're probably still not getting the most out of that talent. So they've got until the rest of the season to improve. they got seven games left to improve. Um, And then at that point, we'll wait and see, like, I think that we could potentially have some things to look forward to next year, but we're going to have to see at the end of the season what exactly we look like before we know for sure. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I think in terms of getting more out, yeah, it's I would say it's probably more offensively than, than defensively because I think I think at least through the first four games, Brent Pry had done a pretty good job of kind of running the defense, um, and he's got so much on his plate. But, but the defense had played pretty well um, for the most part. Um, yes, gave up 33 points to West Virginia, but, um, but yeah, I think there are a lot of young guys that, that have that, like Chris said, are projectable. Um, and I think there are even some veterans, some older guys, Grant Wells is, is a good example of a guy who has a lot of tools, just needs to be developed a bit more. And I think figuring out how to put those guys in good positions now will help come next year when they are in bigger situations, whether it's putting Mansoor Delane in the right situations now so he can gain reps and gain experience, or even a guy like Grant Wells, putting him, giving him, coaching him in the right situations and giving him what he needs now to be able to learn and develop so he's a better quarterback when next year comes around. I think player development, whether you're winning or losing games, is important right now. 
Another thing we can look forward to, basketball season. Yeah, basketball media Friday day. started this past week. Basketball media day tomorrow. Is it? Yeah, you can come if you want. That's why we hired you. <laughs> you go. I've got so much stuff no, to it's, write. It's all right. We are gonna we get to talk to uh, Mike Young, Justin Mutz, Hunter Couture, Sean Padula, Darius Maddox. So a lot of guys. Basketball season's right around the corner. Next week, ACC media days in Charlotte. So... Uh, basketball season's finally here. And you, do you want to tell them what's coming up on Wednesday? On Wednesday, uh, we're going to have Kenny Brooks on the podcast for the first time. Are so, we? yes. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's, it's, J- it's Jake and I. <laughs> okay. So, sweet. yeah, Dave, David, me, and, and Coach Brooks, uh, we're going to dive into last year, all the success that they had, and, and obviously a really talented team this year coming back. So, does that mean I don't have to talk about the pit game on Wednesday? I think, I think, well, I think we're still doing that, both. Yeah, we're, we're going to do like, uh, um, I assume when you guys you guys are going to do the regular podcast in the oh, afternoon, okay. we're doing it in the morning at like we're going to like record oh, it at I like ten a.m. Bringing me a reprieve. No, no, <laughs> no. You, still? you, you, and Will and Katie <laughs> are, are still on on deck, but uh, but yeah. But I'm I'm excited. The, yeah, the both men's and women's basketball teams should should be pretty good. And um, we haven't had Kenny on. Kenny's like I think the one other big name coach at yeah. Virginia Tech we haven't really had on. And um, considering they they continue to steadily go up it's it's important to get him on so yeah excited for that and leads right into my favorite question of the day what's coming up on techsideline.com uh i assume will will have a monday thoughts later today yeah um you know we're back to normal rotation now no midweek game so full steam ahead we'll have a preview on wednesday podcast on wednesday brandon patterson Inside the numbers, all the normal stuff, plus some basketball content thrown in for good Yeah, yeah. figuring out how to balance basketball content now. It, it, so press conference for basketball is before the football press conference tomorrow, and then we've got a regular football week mm-hmm. too. So I'll, uh, depending on what news is said for football, I'll try to throw in some positive basketball stuff yeah, in there. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll write my preseason basketball stuff during the bye week. Mm. For uh, for which football, is in, so that'll be in which a couple is in two weeks. weeks. Yeah, can't get here soon enough. Crossover season is almost upon us. Yes. It, it is a beautiful time. Yeah, uh, and very busy time for David Cunningham. Yeah, though. well, you know what? And Katie said it earlier, but shout out women's soccer for yes. oh, for, the, awesome. for the big win and the, and that winning goal. That was as good a college goal yeah. as you'll ever see. That it was like the ball went forward about forty yards and never even touched the ground. Yeah, it's nuts. And Evan Hughes had a terrific call with, with his, his dad. dad. His dad. Um, filling in as uh, as his as his analyst as they used to do in the Patriot Talk Live days. Good for, good for good for them and good for Virginia Tech women's soccer. They are rolling right now. I, you know, I saw they were playing well earlier this year, and then they were showing all the ranked ACC women's teams, and it was like everybody except for Virginia Tech. And yeah, I'm like, I think what are you I doing? think this is I think they'll be ranked, ranked, be ranked when, the rank, when the updated <laughs> yeah. rankings come out this week. I, I assume they'll come out sometime today, so Probably. maybe we'll hear something about that too. Also, I guess we could hear about when the Miami game. Will be at yeah, some we point should. today. Probably yeah. in the next 15, 20 minutes, we'll we'll get the Miami kick time. So, so that'll be exciting too. Uh, one of three remaining home games for Virginia Tech. So if looking, you want to, it literally just came out. I had the notifications oh, wow. on my phone Here waiting for it to come oh, out. So let's see. A second ago, Miami at Virginia Tech, twelve thirty p.m. RSN. Ooh. RSN. <laughs> it's all right. It's a home game. You'll be here. That's all right. All of the life just left the room. Uh, to be fair, there are only four ACC games that week because half really? the conference is off. Yeah. yeah, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Pitt, Virginia, and Wake are all off. Wow. Com- ne- next week, so it's just Miami, Virginia Tech, NC State, Syracuse, 
which is ACC Network game, Clemson, Florida State, which is an ABC game, and North Carolina Duke, which is the night ACC oh, yeah. Network game. With only four ACC games, that game couldn't find Tech Miami couldn't find its way onto the ACC Network. Oh uh, well, I don't uh, know if the ACC Network wants with the two state <laughs> the two programs are. I don't know if the ACC Network wants that game. So how about how about like Sling TV and Dish Network customers waking up on Saturday and finding out that they don't have ESPN? Anymore? Yeah, Will Will Stewart's one of them. They, yeah, they kissed yeah, and made they, up. They, they, yeah, made they made a deal like hand, late last night. Handshake okay. agreement handshake and returned all, all of their programming to Dish. Because I know I, was, I read the Sling TV letter that somebody posted and they went hard to the hall blaming Disney. They did. Yeah, they did. Uh, but I believe they said they have a handshake agreement. And they have returned their programming until it's officially signed. Okay. So uh, no, no more issues there. So you can watch all the football you want. I think that wraps things up here on episode 259 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Want to thank all of you for listening and thank everybody on set. David Cunningham across the way, managing editor for Tech Sideline. Always great insights. You can find him at at the real D Cunna on Twitter. Uh, to my right, lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman for Tech Sideline. You can find him at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Katie Adams in the fourth chair did a great job once again at Katie6Adams on Twitter. Behind the scenes, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, and the best podcast producer in the land at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. And I'm Jake Lyman, your host. Enjoy the start to your week, Hokies fans. We'll see you on Wednesday.